I just learned last night of a story that makes me angry. There are some of you here in worship who are angry for reasons known only to you and God. So often anger has to do with our sense of a miscarriage of justice, something unfair. I'm angry. I'm going to ask God right now to not let that anger seep into this teaching. Because this teaching addresses what makes us angry. And I don't want to get in the way. You need to hear what Jesus is about to teach you through a passage in the Gospels. I want to pray with you. And we'll plunge into the Word together. Holy Father, that music was strong. You've got to know your children. There are times when we have strong feelings. We don't know what to do. We're not sure how to right the wrong. We're not sure how to take away the injustice. Particularly when free will is involved and human choices are protected by you. As we would only have it. This has been some week on this planet. In this nation. Upon this campus. Oh God. A word. Please. Hide us all so that Christ's Spirit might get through to all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an ugly word in our human vocabulary that most of us wish to never use. It is a dark word. It feels cruel and angry. The word is revenge. Revenge. What does revenge mean? Simply put, revenge means settling the score. Revenge happens when self-perceived justice decides to take matters into its own hands and settle the score, sometimes with tragic, tragic consequences, as the whole world observed this last week. The tragedy on the campus of Virginia Tech in that massacre, the near tragedy on our own campus on the same day at almost the same moment because of a self-perceived need to settle the score and 
take care of justice, take it into his own hands. Does God behave that way? Hmm? Once upon a time, Jesus told a story, and it's going to surprise you because it sure seems like, in fact, God feels the same way. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of St. Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And a story about vengeance and justice and God. Because here we have been in a semester and we've been talking mercy, 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 mercy. And it is a fair question to be raised at some point along the way. Okay, boy, whatever happened to justice? Is there no justice in the divine heart of mercy? No vengeance when the innocent suffer at the hands of a perpetrator? No vengeance? Jesus told a story once upon a time. Luke chapter 18. If you didn't bring a Bible today, grab that pew Bible in front of you because this you, you haven't read this story in a long time and you need to see this story. Luke chapter 18. Let me give you the page number in the pew Bible. That would be page 706. New King James Version. Those of you watching on television, grab a Bible if there's one near you. Take a look at this, will you? Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men and women ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now that is the primary punchline to this story. But I'm not concerned today about the primary punchline. It's the secondary punchline, and it is inescapable. You'll get it. Trust me, you'll get it. The secondary punchline is what we're looking for today. So Jesus speaks in verse 2. And if you have a red-letter Bible, now it's all red. It's all red. This is Jesus telling the story. Verse 2, And Jesus said, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. I've known a few judges in my life. Tried not to know him on a very intimate basis, but had to meet with them on occasion. But here's a judge who, who, as you'll note in just a moment, is proud that he is both godless and heartless. Most of the judges I've met seem to be fairly compassionate individuals, but I suppose there are a few judges, godless and heartless. This is one of them. Jesus said there was a city once upon a time, and in the city was a judge who was both godless and heartless. And, next verse, verse 3, in that same city was a widow. Now, in, this, in, the, in the culture of the Orient in which Jesus is telling this story, we're talking, ladies and gentlemen, about the bottom of the food chain. A widow's at the very bottom. She's the most helpless. And I tell you what, if she dies, if, if rather her husband dies, and she has no kids, she is really up a crick without a paddle. If she has no sons, there is nobody that goes to court for her. She has no advocate. She has to do it all herself. She's a widow of that caliber. In the same city, Jesus says in verse 3, there was a widow and she came to the judge and she said, get justice for me from my adversary. The Greek word can actually be translated two ways. It can be translated, avenge me. I want revenge. I want avenge. Avengement. Avenge me. Or it can be translated, give me justice. I got an adversary. Jesus doesn't tell us what's going on here. We read between the lines, apparently when her beloved life companion died, there was a piece of family property that he had mortgaged out to somebody else, and it's time for her to get that property back. But whoever has the property is refusing to do it. 
Won't give it back. No, no, no. You have no... You're, he's gone. So she has to go to the courts. And she pleads for justice. Verse 4. And Jesus said, let me tell you about that judge again. He would not for a while. In the Greek it reads this way. He kept on refusing her. Over and over she kept coming. Over and over he kept saying, nope, 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 nope. Don't have time. Go. He would not. For a while. I say for a while because he may be godless and he may be heartless, but he is not mindless. There's only so much of this you can take. Bright, bright judge. And so verse 4 says, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself. He's rather proud of who he is. Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, I'm godless and I'm heartless. I'm a cool-headed jurist. Even though I am, verse 5, yet... Because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now, Peterson, in his uh, rendition in the message of this, of this particular line, he translates it, he translated, translates it, Otherwise, if I don't get rid of her, she is going to end up beating me black and blue by her pounding. I like that. I see this little widow. You see the little widow? Tiny little fist. And she's coming up to that big chested judge. And she's pounding. Give me justice. Give me. No. Give me justice. No. Give me justice. No. Give me justice. All right. You can have it. She's pounding me black and blue. Then the Lord said, verse 6, Hear what the unjust judge, by the way, by the way, please note, Jesus passes judgment on the judge. He is unjust. And even in a land like ours, in a county like this one, there are unjust judges. They're just part of the journey. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Verse 7, and shall, not, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Do you know why? Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. That's why. Have mercy. There's justice. Hallelujah. I wish you'd write that down. Friend of God, write that down, will you? There is justice for the friends of God. Pull out your study guide. You've got a study guide in that worship bulletin. Thank you, ushers. Let's, let's get these study guides out. I'll tell you why you want this study guide. Because I have a quotation here that you can't get anywhere on earth but this study guide. A private paper was sent to me by some lawyers. I'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm quoting that paper. You want this study guide. Hold your hand up if you don't have the study guide. Make sure everybody here. Do you have your study guides here? Pull your study guides out. Very good. And while we're doing that, those of you watching on television, let me put our website on the screen for you. You can join with us right now. You've got to fill this out. There it is, www.pmchurch.tv. That's our website. Please go to our website. You click onto this series, Mercy Came A-Runnin'. Mercy, 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 and now justice. Whatever happened to justice, that's the title of this teaching. Whatever happened to justice, it'll say study guide there. Click there. And you will have the same quotation that you can get nowhere else on earth but right there in that study guide. That's yours. So quickly, go to your computer, pull that study guide up, and let's go. Fill it out, please. Would you fill it in? That verse, vengeance, write it in. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Two words you've got to write in, says the Lord. 
Where's that coming from? Romans 12, 19. Would you write in 19? I think the study guide says 9. It's 19. Slip of my finger. And it's supposed to be 19. So make sure you have 19 there. It's quoted. This, this line is out of Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse, verse uh, 35. It's quoted in both Romans chapter 12, verse 19. And again in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. So the Old Testament line is embraced by the New Testament. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Jot it down. Have mercy. There is justice. Have mercy. There is justice. What's the punchline, the secondary punchline of Jesus' parable? Keep your pen moving. Shall not God avenge his own? Who are his own? Those are his friends on earth. You a friend of God? You're going through, you're suffering through some injustice. Hold on, my friend. I got good news for you. We may have been talking about mercy heretofore, but today it's justice. Hold on. Hold on. Shall not God avenge his own who cry out day and night to him? Luke 18, verse 7. This week... This week, the world remembered the Holocaust in commemorations around the planet. Six million Jews exterminated by an insane tyrant and ideology. But lest we forget, I need to remind you that that is not the only sorry chapter in the history of the human race in the 20th century now gone. I have a book in my library by a writer named Gary A. Haugen, titled the title of the book, The Good News of Injustice. Let me quote to you. It's in the study guide. Let me quote to you uh, from Haugen's book. You'll need to fill in the last word. Put it on the screen. The outcome in the 20th century. You want to talk about the century behind us? The outcome in the 20th century could be described an open-mouthed grave. An entire generation of European youth composting. That's right. That's not a misspelling. They've turned to compost, fertilizing the soil of Europe composting the World War I battlefields of Verdun and the Somme. Hitler's six million Jews, Stalin's 20 million Soviet citizens, Mao's tens of millions of political enemies and peasant famine victims, Paul Potts, two million Cambodians, the Interhamway's million Tutsi Rwandans, and the millions of life wasted away during apartheid's 40-year reign. Now, hold on. We can easily forget that the same spirit of darkness rules our present age. Outside the affluent West, however, in the two-thirds world where most of the children God created actually live. Get it down. The fall is being played out in ways more familiar to the biblical writers. It is manifest in a world of brutal injustice. Write it down. It's the biblical world all over again. We're experiencing it today. The biblical world of injustice. Let me put a verse or two on the screen for you. Joel 3.3. 3. How does it read? They have cast lots for my people. They have given a boy as a payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Gary Haugen tells about a Canadian Christian program television crew that went to the Sudan. All right. You know the Sudan. You've heard of Darfur. They went to the Sudan. While the cameras are rolling, they bought 300 and 19 women and children on camera from the slave traders for $108 each. They bought 319 human beings. Don't you tell me that slavery is something in our past. It is a part of life in the 21st century. Where's the justice in that, huh? Where's the justice? Let's put another text on the screen. Psalm 37:14. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow 
to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Let's talk about Brazil. A bunch of you are from Brazil. Let's talk about the state police in Brazil who are being bought off by landowners to destroy, to murder hapless, landless, homeless human beings that are getting in the way of their massive land holdings. Where is the justice in that? Put another text on the screen. How about the New Testament? Romans chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I don't know if you followed the news this week. But in Turkey, while our mayhem was going on, in Turkey, a tiny little Christian printing press in the heart of that modern Islamic nation, somebody walked in and slew the three workers, shot them in the back. Where's the justice in that? You want to talk about America? Let's talk about America, the land of the free. I received a paper from some Australian lawyers who said, Pastor Nelson, we want you to read this paper. It's entitled The State of Exception. In the paper, they are examining what is happening today in a place called Guantanamo Bay Detention Center. You may have heard of it. As a result of the war on terror, foreign individuals can be taken from any country on earth and placed in detention in Guantanamo Bay with the normal constitutional freedoms granted to um, liberty-loving Americans denied them, run by the U.S. government and the U.S. military. So that paper, which you won't be able to find, is partially quoted in your study guide. I have the longer quote, a longer quote. I'll put it on the screen. A state of exception is a form of governance characterized by suspension of the democratic legal process in favor of extrajudicial state violence against specified groups. You're going you're to brood on this for a while. It depends upon a certain political climate and may arise in any democracy. Guantanamo stands as a direct consequence of that form of governance. Integrated in the penal system, the Guantanamo inmate is an exemplary element subject to extreme measures legalized by the state of exception. Couldn't do it in America, but will do it here. Keep reading. According to his legal status... The Guantanamo inmate is synonymous with numerous historical examples of groups and individuals marginalized. This is Australian English, so the spelling will look different. Marginalized for their convictions and affiliations. The Huguenots, the Basques, Kurds, Jews, Christians, Muslim groups, gypsies, illegal immigrants, African refugees. However, now here comes the punchline. The Guantanamo case is not limited to the current political ambience. Emphasis now is mine. It is a potential prelude to situations that may deny the political convictions and civic values of given minority groups. End quote. But let me finish the sentence. In America, in the future. All right? In America, in the future. Peace by peace. And we're also distracted. And we're just letting it go got to have it for the sake of our security, you understand. Tell that to six million Jews. For the sake of security, 
please. Where's the justice in what we just read? The ancient prophets knew all about this day coming. It was not unfamiliar to their own day. Look at this. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 4. Therefore, the law is ignored. And justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Look at this. Micah chapter 3 verse 9. Hear this, you leaders. You see, leaders make the difference. Leaders can change what we have counted on. They can reverse Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right. What's going to happen? Ecclesiastes 5, verse 8. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, guess what? Don't be surprised at such things. It happens on this planet. Amazing. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them. That men and women ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Speedily. You know what? When you're unfairly, when you're unfairly, and that's the key word, when you're unfairly suffering, unfairly, you never cry out for mercy. You always cry out for justice. Isn't that right? Yeah. Give me justice. Avenge me of my adversary. You can be certain that there are many grieving families in the Virginia Tech community today who are crying out for justice. And you can be just as certain that there is a little Korean family in that same region today that is pleading for mercy. Because that's the reality of it all. Justice and mercy Always go together. They are inseparable. When you ask for one, you will get the other. When one comes running to you, the other cannot be far behind. Justice and mercy. Inseparable. Inseparable. Which, of course, is precisely the truth of the everlasting gospel. That great passage, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 26. Don't look it up in your Bible. Let's put it on the screen. And it's going to be from the Today's New International Version. You have it in your study guide. Let's remember how we used to have to diagram sentences in old English classes. You had to come to subject and predicate and direct object. Let's do a a little diagramming, not that heavy, from these four lines. You have them all right there. You got it? All right, let's go. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. This is the TNIV. You have to fill it in. For all, now you knew this verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of of us have sinned? Whoa, that is a no-brainer. And because we have sinned, what do we deserve? What do sinners deserve? Sinners deserve justice. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that's the definition. Justice is what we deserve. Mercy is always what we do not deserve by definition, right? We deserve justice. And what is justice for a sinner? It's eternal death. Death pays a wage and it's eternal. Romans 6.23. 
All right, let's go to verse 24. Write it down. And, by the way, this is the very next verse. I like the way the TNIV renders it. All have sinned and all, the whole human race, all are justified freely by His grace. Write it in. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Did you catch that, guys? We deserve the penalty of justice, the penalty of death. We're all sinners. But mercy, hallelujah, mercy came a-running through Christ Jesus. Came a-running straight to you and me. Isn't that great? Mercy came a-running. Do we get what we deserve? No. We get what we don't deserve. That's mercy. Because of mercy's grace, we are justified. You know what justified means? It means to be acquitted. It means to be pardoned. It means to be set free. No charges. Everything's been dropped. You're free to go. Oh, when the judge says that, bring it on. Hallelujah. Oh, great. So now we got mercy. No more justice. Is that what Paul is teaching? No, 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 no. Look at verse 25. Fill it in. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His justice. Write it down. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance and tolerance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Ladies and gentlemen, that is precisely the point. In order to have mercy, somebody has to provide justice. You can't have one without the other. To get the one, you have to have the other. When one comes running, the other is already there. That's the point. Final line, verse 26. God did this. Fill it in. God did this to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just. That's His justice. That's divine justice. So as to be just and the one who justifies. That's divine mercy. The one who acquits, pardons, lets you go justifies those who have faith in Jesus. My dear friends, Calvary. Calvary is the dramatic blending of divine justice, which says, I got a law, and that law says, this is the way we operate the universe. I cannot change that law. Calvary is the blending of divine justice and divine mercy that says, even though they've broken the law, I will pardon them. It is the, it is the climax of divine justice and divine mercy embracing. In fact, Psalm 85, verse 10 says they actually kiss. They kissed at the cross. You want to read a powerful expression of this truth? Keep your study guide right there. Look at this from Desire of Ages. Unbelievable. Desire of Ages. Powerful. Through Jesus. What's going on here in Romans 3? What, what, what went on on Calvary? Through Jesus, God's mercy was manifested to men and women. But mercy does not set aside justice. Write that down. Key point. It does not set aside justice. The law reveals the attributes of God's character and not a jot or a tittle, not a crossing of a T, not the dotting of an I of it could be changed to meet man in his fallen condition. Oh, Father, Father, it just came from earth. You're not going to believe this. Adam and Eve have disobeyed. They, they have rebelled against you. What you told them not to do, they've done. What are we going to do? Father says, well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just change the law. If we rewrite the law, then, it, then they haven't disobeyed and everybody will be happy. Are you crazy? He can't. It's his throne. If he rewrites the law or abrogates it or shoves it to the side, he no longer has a throne. He can't be him. He can't be he. He can't. Mercy. Mercy. Does not set aside justice. 
Now read that next sentence. God did... Oh, this is powerful. God did not change His law, but He sacrificed Himself. Isn't that something? He sacrificed Himself in Christ for our redemption. Which is why both, write it down, both justice and mercy triumphed at Calvary. What do you say to that? Amen. Both triumphed. Both of them at Calvary. Oh, great. Oh, great. Does that mean that all is going to be forgiven now? There is no accounting. You, you can with impunity do what you wish. Not on your life. No, 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 no. God is clear. Vengeance. You know what God says? Read my lips. Read my lips. Vengeance is mine. And I will. I promise you. I will repay. I will repay. There is a day of reckoning coming for those who have despised mercy and denied justice. Any landlords here? Any employers here? Any neighbors here? There's a day of reckoning coming. Those who have despised mercy and denied justice, who have withheld the just wages of the laborer, who have denied the just rights of the prisoner, who have abused the just liberties of a child, a woman, a human being, who have silenced the just in order to destroy the truth. There is a day of reckoning coming for Babylon. Ever heard of her? When the prayers of the souls under the altar of heaven will one day be answered. Do you remember that prayer? How long, O God, just and true? How long until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? God says, shh, shh. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. I will repay. Repay. And that's why the prayer is found in the apocalypse. O God, then repay her double according to her works, for she is drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Repay her double. I'll repay. In just a few weeks, I, I cannot believe that, this, that I get to be a part of this. In just a few weeks, with a handful of Andrews University students, I get to go to North Italy and we're going to stand in the dank, dark caves of the Waldensians who fled for their lives. Where the blood of the innocent was spilled on those rocky floors. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. I will repay. Of course... The truth is known, and we we all know the truth. The dark perpetrator behind all of our inhuman injustices. The perpetrator is one and the same. The fallen Lucifer. We got an email today from someone in the family with the announcement that the cancer has spread through the entire body and there is no treatment left. 
Who do you suppose is ultimately responsible for this insanity we live with on this planet, huh? This pain and suffering of divorce. Who do you suppose will get the rap in the end? The pain and suffering of disease of death. Is there no vengeance for the one who did this to me? Oh, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Revelation 20. Look at those words. Revelation 20. And fire came down from heaven. Out of, out of heaven from God. And devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Ladies and gentlemen, let it be clear that divine justice has made certain that there will be hell to pay. No, it's impossible. You, the truth is, if there is no justice, there can be no mercy. For justice and mercy are inseparable, which means when one comes a-running, the other cannot be far behind. Some of you this very day are crying out for divine justice. I need to tell you, my friend, mercy, mercy hears your plea. And mercy will answer your prayer. Don't, for, don't you take revenge. Don't you touch it. Vengeance is mine. I'll take care of this. You leave it alone. Don't you touch it. But mercy hears you. And there is a day coming when into the nail-scarred hands of mercy, justice will be taken. It will be a strange justice. And I need to warn you, it may not look like the justice you were asking for. But this much is clear. On that day, both mercy and justice will be satisfied. God will be satisfied. And you will be satisfied as well. For shall not God avenge His own who cry out to Him night and 